Welcome to the Dallas Space Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Lauder. Innovation comes in so many forms in so many different ways. We believe this entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex is covered with people innovating. We designed this podcast to highlight the innovative things those business leaders, entrepreneurs, creators, problem solvers, the real innovators are doing day in, day out. As always, this show is brought to you by my company, Louderco. We find companies' profits through artificial intelligence and better operations. Like when we helped a massive Fortune 500 company build out their AI strategy to create breakthrough new food and beverage categories. Or when we redesigned the operations of a $100 million services company to add $10 million in net profit to their bottom line. To learn more about us, head to our website, louderco.com. Be sure to download free guides and presentations like our Intro to Artificial Intelligence presentation, or see if your company's even ready for AI through our AI readiness assessment tool. We're about to get the show started. If you like what you hear, it would mean a lot to us if you subscribed and left us a review. And now, enjoy our guests and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Dallas Space Innovator Show brought to you by Louderco. I am Andrew Louder. I'm extremely excited about our special guest today. He is Marshall Smith, Managing Director of First Rate Ventures. First Rate Ventures is the corporate venture capital arm of First Rate Incorporated, the global leader providing data aggregation, performance, and reporting solutions to the wealth management industry. And in fact, First Rate Ventures makes minority investments in early stage startups using innovative technology within wealth tech, invest tech, reg tech, and mortgage tech industries. Marshall uh, went to school at Dartmouth College where he also played football. And our circles have just been colliding a lot recently um, in a few different areas, including Vistage and having a few friends and colleagues along the way as well. I'm extremely excited to pick his brain on this episode. So Marshall, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Awesome stuff. Well, as is tradition on the show, love to turn it over to you. Just give us a good one to two minute bio. Who is Marshall Smith? Yeah, thanks for that. Well, I grew up in a, a rural town west of Fort Worth, Alito, Texas, and was uh, decent at football and decent at taking taking tests and uh, somehow <laughs> weaseled my way into to Dartmouth College with that combination of, of decency. And uh, uh, recruited to play football and uh, showed up and realized I, I loved Dartmouth College. I loved the experience there. Um, I, I had a waning interest in the football part of uh, of right. life, but uh, you know, stayed on there and uh, graduated 2007 and studied economics and religion. And uh, that kind of that kind of defines my uh, life uh, <laughs> decision, which was. Do I go into a, a ministry type role, like a pastor at a, a church? I was thinking that about that as a role and thinking about um, my economics degree and um, uh, fintech because I had interned at a fintech company called First Rate, who um, is here in Arlington, Texas. And uh, I sat down with the, the founder of the company and said, hey, I've got two paths. I'm either going to go down this, this ministry um, um, path or I'm going to go down this business path. like." Help me decide which way to go. And what's funny is he he told me something that really changed the direction of the course of my life. And he really said, why why do you need to choose between the two? 
uh, could it be that God would call you to, to do work in business and to do work in ministry? And uh, that really, you know, kind of changed the way I've really thought about just my, my, my path and my vocation uh, itself as being less, I'm this or I'm that. My identity is I'm this kind of worker, that kind of worker. I'm, I'm a father or I'm a community member right. or I'm a business guy and kind of like form those all together. So here I am 15 years later after that, now managing director of First Trade Ventures, I've uh, had just about every other job in the company and ran out of jobs, really. So they said, <laughs> you know, why don't we think about um, investing off our balance sheet uh, in early stage startups and acquiring other founder fatigued fintech businesses that really value the legacy of their business. And um, first rate wants to continue on for into 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 the future perpetually. And um, so we're executing this strategy now, which is pretty interesting. Have a lot of fun with that. Uh, don't have a background in venture capital. Don't have a background in acquisitions. Have really a deep background in, in wealth tech. Um, and married to uh, Shannon and have four kids. Um, and they're 11, 9, 9, and 7. And oh, actually 6. And the, the two the two nine year olds aren't twins, so I'm just going to leave that there for you. Got it. Yeah, you've got uh, you've got a lot on your plate there, Marshall. Um, I admire you for all you're doing. Um, really is incredible, not just to you know come out of being a leader over there at First Rate, but then also lead this new uh, VC arm of it, all while juggling you know wife and four kids. So very admirable stuff there. Um, Gosh, so many places to begin. First of all, what position were you in football? So I was a center, and um, yes, that that's my claim to fame. I, I like to say that's the smartest person on the football field. Is is generally, <laughs> I mean, the general thinking is that the offensive linemen are the smartest people on the football field, and the center is the smartest. So that's what I like to say about that. Generally, they're not the best athletically. They're usually shorter and and uh, smaller and slower. Um, so I like to highlight the benefits of, uh, of, of it. And I'm just curious because looking at you, you're, you're certainly tall, but I wouldn't have thought you to be an offensive lineman. You know, how big did you get in your, yeah. at your heaviest, I guess? Yeah. In high school I played, I was, you know, I'm six two, um, in high school I got up to maybe two forty. but like at the high school I grew up, it, it, it wasn't this spread offense where the offensive linemen basically don't yeah. go anywhere and they just pass block every play. It was more like you run and condition yourself and you're just going to be in better condition than your opponent. And that's how you're going to win. So we didn't really bulk up. You know, it was more yeah. like we were lean. So I played maybe 250 in high school, but then I got okay. to Dartmouth and it was more like, you know, kind of a bulk up culture for the linemen. And I was the smallest, you know, definitely yeah. weight wise. So I eventually got up to maybe 290, 295. Mm -hmm. Got it. No, that's that's incredible. I can't even imagine what that looks like. You're going to have to send me a picture one of these days. <laughs> See what that looks like for you. But uh, all right. So I, I love the story you shared about um, kind of, hey, you're at this fork in the road, e economics or religion. Why not both? You go down this path with first rate. Um, when you say you ran out of jobs, I mean, you literally did. Like uh, you, you've scaled the ranks there from the bottom all the way to COO position. Like what? what was that like for you from just like a personal journey of like starting where you did what, what kind of decision making or determination did you have to then continue growing 
uh, within first rate. You know, it's a very uncommon thing these days, right? You know, having that kind of uh, putting that kind of time into companies and, and growing within it. Uh, give us a, a little bit about what that journey was like for you. Yeah. So, you know, most of the advice I got coming out of Dartmouth was you want to start at a big company like Fortune 500, and then maybe you go to a small company later. That was the general advice I got. And of course, First Rate was a small software company in Arlington, Texas. Nobody had ever heard of them. Yeah, I had interned for them. I had this mentor who really was helping me think about my future. And so they gave me a full-time offer, so I went for it. And so, I mean, I think that would be the story right there. I just walked through the door that was open in front of me. And just trusted that's awesome. that that's yeah. what I'm supposed to do. If you know, instead of worrying about what could happen or w- w- what other opportunities are out there, just kind of praying and thinking about, well, what's right in front of me, and am I enjoying it? I'm going to keep going. And that's been a series of new doors that have opened while I've been at first rate, starting as a uh, entry level analyst, seeing how the data goes into our fintech application, and seeing how the sausage is made, so to speak, yeah. gave me a whole new perspective on. Uh, the product side of the business, uh, on the marketing side of the business, on sales, on um, the COO kind of role, kind of putting all of those things together. And so that's really helped me, I feel like in my career is being open to whatever next opportunity was out there. And I've just found that I really thrive on new problems, new challenges, and the opportunity to see something work better, um, to be more efficient, to be able to grow. And probably the most satisfying part of that whole journey is I love handing off my responsibilities to the next person. Yeah. Um, I think I told our, our, my Vistage group that my goal in each job is to make myself irrelevant within three years. And I don't want to, uh, I've never wanted to craft a role around who I was and what my unique strengths were, but I wanted to empower others to, to lead up in the organization and take over from me after I moved to the next thing. And that's been the most satisfying part of being able to move around. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, in terms of now kind of forging your path over at First Rate Ventures, what was that decision process like? If you can take us behind the scenes, you know, it's a really unique way to, um, I think, an innovative way of branching out into a new venture, right? Starting a VC Mm -hmm. firm in a way. Um, trying to invest in these companies. How did that start? You know, take us behind the scenes in terms of like what sparked that idea? Yeah. So first rate started in 1991. Um, bootstrapped software company started in our founder's garage. Founder and his co-founder, uh, his wife, both started the company together and they bootstrapped it from there. So we never had a culture of taking outside capital. We never mm-hmm. had a culture of raising a lot of debt. We always had a mentality of cash flowing our growth organically over time. And that worked for about uh, 29 uh, years. And we grew to 24 and a half million in revenue. We've got 150 global employees on three different continents. Um, by many you know, uh, you know, measures, we were very successful. And our Absolutely. founders had this vision that the company was going to grow and reach this next level of growth. And our organic growth rate, you know, had had come down to be uh, about five to seven percent a year. And so, to to achieve a forty million dollar revenue target and a hundred million dollar revenue target, which was their their vision and goal for the company, so that we could we could grow our impact. Because first rate, really, it's a for profit business, but the the mission and purpose of the company is to impact our our clients, our coworkers, and our community through our values. And uh, in order to do that at a bigger level, growing 
in, in having offices in more locations, employing people um, in our in our organizations that we can impact impacted the communities where we do business and the clients we do business with is really core to our founder's vision for the company. And so we uh, actually had an opportunity to acquire a business in 2020. Um, it was a small uh, company, less than a million in revenue. The founder had been running it for 20 years. He had kind of shifted his passion to a new company and a new startup, and he needed somebody to take over his legacy business. And so we acquired that company, brought them in, and we started realizing that we could actually grow our business through deploying capital to acquire other strategic pro- uh, companies or to actually invest in some of these early stage companies. So uh, another advisor to the firm, Prob Ready, and I started talking about what it would look like for First Rate to deploy our capital in a more proactive way. And his background was running a uh, technology-focused venture capital fund, Naya mm-hmm. Ventures. And so kind of with his background in venture capital, and my background in the wealth tech space, knowing our customers, the, the products they use, the needs they have, the, the challenges they have, and all the whole ecosystem of players that I had networked with over the last 15 years here, um, we, we, we came up with a plan to launch a, a venture capital strategy within First Rate, deploying our own capital, and we're off to a great start. It's, it's really been interesting to see how this goes because Generally, larger corporations will launch a corporate venture capital team with a really big um, uh, set of ammo. And, you know, we're, we're going to launch it in our size. We're a $25 million right. company. Um, we have a, uh, a commitment from our founders to deploy um, $15 million, And we're excited about doing that. That's great. And, you know, the way you described it uh, to me when we were talking prior to getting into the recording was – it really felt like a lot, uh, a similar um, strategy to what you know, a lot of these larger beer companies uh, have taken in terms of utilizing these startup startup craft breweries as almost an R and D organization for them and testing the market out. Uh, do you see that? Do you see that kind of alignment here for you guys as well? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people do treat their corporate venture capital teams as essentially outsourcing R&D to the VC team who will go out and monitor, you know, Menlo Park and Mountain View or cool startups coming up and they'll put little seed rounds in them. They'll bet on 10 10, uh, jockeys, you know, seven will go out of business, three won't. And the ones, maybe one or two of those will end up acquiring. And that's kind of the way they do R&D. And first rate's thinking about it a little bit differently because our core, our goal is to grow the core business at first rate and achieve the 40 million and 100 million revenue targets for the core business. So our venture capital strategy is less about um, outsourcing R&D, but figuring yeah. it is, and to some degree, it is a great way to get exposure to people doing new things with new technologies built from, the scra- built from scratch. So it is that, but it's more than that in that we want to find uh, new uh, companies um, doing things in wealth tech and reg tech and invest tech and mortgage tech where first rate actually already has some assets that they need in their stage in the company. And usually that starts with capital. They're looking for capital to help fund them, but they're typically not wanting to build out all of the pieces that it takes to, to, to deliver a wealth tech platform. So there's various components that first rate has built over time that could be strategic assets to these early stage companies. Um, the second piece is they're trying to accelerate their their product delivery roadmap, and yep. you know, and accelerate their their their, uh, their growth. And so, first rate has some resources 
and development teams that can help them accelerate their roadmap and their development cycles. And then third, you know, they're looking for customers who will take an intro and um, from an early stage company. But banks, they're kind of like the introverts at a cocktail party. You know, they don't want to talk <laughs> to new people. And right. so first, first rate is kind of like their their old friend who can introduce them to the right players and startups in the in the in the space and bring them in in a in a secure way because we offer the the secure infrastructure of a mature uh, fintech company that has the the mature compliance and data protection infrastructure that startups just don't have the budgets to facilitate. Right. So we're offering kind of those benefits to these early stage companies and we see that as a win-win. Uh, we see that as a redemptive approach to helping the entrepreneur grow their business. And um, we think we have a high degree of alignment with them in that we're very happy with a, with an entrepreneur that, that doesn't have to raise additional capital. They can achieve sustainability and organic growth success. We'd be delighted to be a part of a story like that. Uh, we're also delighted to be a part of stories where they raise additional capital and, and, and potentially exit in the future. And if that's what's best for them, we're, we want to be a part of that journey as well. Right. All the while, we think we're, we're helping each other. Awesome. I love it. Win-win for everybody. And Marshall, what I've known about VCs, I think, you know, each one has a different aim. They're looking at different things in terms of what to invest in. Um, you've hit on a few different things as you've been describing first rate ventures, but can you give us a bit of a behind the scenes or let us into the, the mind of Marshall Smith a bit? Like, what are you looking at when you're analyzing a potential company to invest in? So we're looking at a few things. One, we're looking for a company that's already demonstrated some traction. Mm -hmm. So we're not looking, we're, we're not the type of VC that's going to take a pitch, uh, hear a pitch deck and hear about the great exits that the founders have had in the past company and invest in them at that stage. Right. We want to see that they built their MVP. They built their initial 1.0 version of their product or, or platform. And somebody is paying them for that service. So we believe that having a paying customer is key. Um, the second thing is we'd love to see uh, investors solving some of the trending issues in wealth tech. You know, and some of those issues are related to uh, ESG investing. So we're really interested in that space. We're really interested in the blockchain and how blockchain mm -hmm. will come through and disrupt various uh, traditional finance TradFi. Um, um, uh, systems and count, uh, uh, different parties in the ecosystem. And so we want to be a part of that. Um, and then another area that we're seeing a lot uh, of success in is companies that are trying to solve problems of really it's the worker shortage that is occurring now uh, uh, in these spaces where there's not enough workers to manually process information. One, it's inefficient. Hmm, yeah. And it was inefficient five years ago. It was inefficient 10 years ago. But with the combination of the worker shortage and new artificial intelligence technologies that can do natural language processing, that can mm -hmm. do machine reading comprehension, that can do natural language generation, we can actually augment um, the, you know, the, the lack of, of uh, available staff through the use of these, these platforms and technologies. So where we see a startup leveraging that sort of an approach to help banks and, tech, uh, and and our existing customer base shift uh, from the manual uh, driven data processing environments that their legacy platforms typically have them beholden to and leveraging these new types and ways of, of uh, 
augmenting and enhancing yeah. and helping them scale. We're, those are things that are going to get our attention. No, thanks for that insight. And I'm curious, Marshall, just from your shift of um, leading first rate as COO and now moving into first rate ventures, what's what's the day in the life like for you and how has it varied from your yeah. previous role? You know, so I, I certainly have a much smaller team. Uh, I have my partner, Prab, uh, who who we uh, coordinate and, and, and partner looking at these deals. I've got one intern. Um, and hoping to add another one soon, but you know I don't yeah. have a big team of people who do all the work, and mm-hmm. you know really it's turned into um, I'm listening to five or more new company pitches a week in the early stage space, yeah. and it's turned into you know in our sales when I when I oversaw our sales team it was all about like prospecting potential customers you know how many doors do you got to knock on how many reach outs do you got to make in order to get one right. suspect, which is like a new potential qualified lead. Well, now I'm doing the same thing on the opposite side where um, when I'm looking at acquisition targets, you know, I've got to get a database and I'm personally and with my intern combing it and qualifying prospects and reaching out to them about the potential, you know, acquisition uh, of their company and, and bringing them into the first rate family. And so that's pretty different uh, than managing teams uh, dealing with, uh, you know, Absolutely. corporate policies and procedures and um, data security issues and client <laughs> issues and renegotiating yeah. multi-year agreements. I mean, those were a lot of the things I would get involved in in the past. And they're they're fun and interesting on their own. Right but now, I'm essentially looking at a new company doing a new thing, um, maybe two and two and even three times a day. I'm I'm talking to a new a founder about what they're doing. And that's really, it's really fun. It's really exciting. Oh, yeah. It's a very, every day is different. And then when you get into the deal negotiations, I, I never knew that mm-hmm. there were so many ways to do an early stage financing round. There's so yeah. many, there's so many details. There's so <laughs> many terms that are important. And there's so much negotiation around all that, that I'm uh, drinking from a fire hose. Yeah. No, no two deals are ever the same, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Convertible notes, liquidation preferences, <laughs> uh, preferred shares, you know, paid in kind. You know, I could go on with a list of terms that basically I had no right. exposure to in scaling a 20 and 25 year old, 30 year old fintech yeah. company that in the early stage game is, is uh, you know, what, what you got to know. Got it. That, no, that's that's uh, real insightful. I, it sounds like a lot of fun, honestly. I mean, I bet it's like a bit of a f- breath of fresh air. Um, no day is like the the previous, right? So, let's move into the lightning round, Marshall. Um, sure. So we'll try to kind of weave our way through these somewhat quickly. We can maybe dive into some of them as we go. But first and foremost, just would like to hear what do you wish you had known when you started your career? Like, what would you go back and tell your younger self if you could? You know, I, my younger self was really focused on making the right choice in my first career step. And that kind of goes back to my, you know, mm-hmm. story about whether I choose the ministry or the fintech, should I go to a fortune 500 company? You know, you know, I would, I would tell my younger self, just, um, look at the doors that are opening in front of you and take a step and, um, additional opportunities will come from there. Awesome. Love it. Who or what has influenced you the most? You know, um, I've had a series of mentors in my time. You know, my father uh, certainly is one and had a great father growing up. Um, 
a couple uh, mentors in my church in my youth group um, and um, some people during my days at Dartmouth as well. A guy named Ben Quartermach in particular had a lot of uh, impact on my life. And they taught me a lot about what it would look like to be uh, a man, to be uh, a follower of God, to to be a hard worker, to be disciplined, um, to leverage um, uh, just the scriptures and prayers and spiritual practices in my life. I feel as I think back on my development that those those series of mentors in my life and my faith and in my um, career have given me have given me a lot of uh, leg up in success. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm really thankful. Yeah, what an incredible foundation to set you up on right there. That's wonderful. Uh, is there something you're learning about right now? You know, um, I'm learning a lot about um, blockchain and crypto right now. And I know mm-hmm. that that's probably similar to a lot of people, but have gone down the, the different rabbit holes on uh, DeFi and decentralized finance. And it's related to the work that I'm doing now and that there are a lot of uh, disruptors in the space, rel- whether it's uh, blockchain or crypto or um, digital currencies. But I really am enjoying thinking about that right now and how that's going to disrupt the whole fintech ecosystem and space. Um, And, yeah, that's one thing that I'm I'm definitely learning about a lot. Um, The other is, uh, you know, how to how to make time for four small kids and a wife, (laughs) you know, in your neighborhood, your kids sports teams at church, at, at work and finding a way to be disciplined to have some time to contemplate and, and think and, um, as well. So those are things I'm learning a lot about right now. It's a work in progress. (laughs) Yeah. Always. Um, what's your coffee of choice? You know, Oak Cliff, uh, coffee roasters is definitely my go-to right now. Um, I like to try other craft coffee shops, coffee. So if I, you know, meet you at reformed coffee, you know, I'm going to be looking on their shelf to see what they've got. And I love to try new new things, but I'll order Oak Cliff Co- Coffee Roasters over and over again. And if I'm running out of that, I've got a bag of Costco coffee beans to make sure I'm caffeinated. Yes. Is it the Kirkland Signature Medium Roast? You know, I like to buy their other like variations yeah. that look crafty. You know, they'll yeah. say like Mayan blend or, right. you know, something not just Kirkland basic. <laughs> um, and I think that makes me feel yeah. slightly more uh, hip. But uh, Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good thinking there. How about um, your adult drink of choice? So it's been a Manhattan and I, and I don't know, someone introduced to me, I think probably in my first, you know, professional business dinner, you know, that um, I asked them what kind of cocktails they liked and they said a Manhattan and I was probably 22 at the time and I've been drinking Manhattans ever since. Well, they're tasty. That's a good yeah. one to have as your favorite. Absolutely. Um, how about, yeah, just the fact of like certain routines maybe you've set for yourself that's that have enabled yeah. you to be successful. Any of those you can share with us? Yeah, I, I think probably um, about five or six years into my career and I had my we had our first child, maybe even a second by then. I started realizing that um, if I didn't wake up early enough, there were certain things that were just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so ever since then, on every weekday, I've been waking up at five to five fifteen, and I have a routine where I sit down and I read this, the the Bible, and I pray and I contemplate and meditate on what 
I'm reading and what I feel like God is is showing me. Yeah. And um, then I look at my, I look at the news, I look at my calendar for the day. I kind of mentally prepare myself for what's coming that day. It's almost like I, it's like, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm doing a practice swing, you know, before a real baseball pitch, you know, I'm yeah. practicing oh, yeah. my day in my mind, like visualization, visualizing it. And that has been a really helpful practice for me. I try to mix in two, two runs a week in that little section and get it all done before 645 when, when my, uh, my little minions are getting out of bed and yeah. getting dressed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big visualization guy as well. I think it kind of stems from my dad, um, out in the golf course, just trying to tell me visualize the shot. And I remember that just even as a little kid, I think it was Jack Nicholas that would do that, but it's kind of stuck with me. So like visualizing a meeting, yep. you know, even sounds weird, but visualizing a call, visualizing this podcast interview, that sort of thing. Yeah. It's always been part of me. Awesome. Um, and last right lightning round question for you. What do you look forward to the most each weekend? You know, uh, my dad did this when I was a kid, but basically he made breakfast every Saturday, Sunday morning in particular. Yeah. And I've just always been a fan of making breakfast. And I think I just am doing the same thing, you know, my dad did, but I love to make grits. <laughs> I like to make pancakes, eggs, nice. bacon, you name it. So every Saturday and Sunday morning, I'm up getting coffee and I'm making breakfast. And that's like, my Super Bowl of the weekend. So. <laughs> yeah, but it's tasty. Sounds good. Sure. <laughs> I'll have to ask my kids about that. But uh, yeah, ask them. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> That's good. Well, Marshall, you're officially off the lightning round hot seat. And uh, you know, before we bring the show to a close, you know, how should a business owner that wants you to take a look at their business get a hold of you? Yeah, best way: find me on LinkedIn, Marshall Smith. Uh, company's first rate ventures, um, reach out to me, connect with me. And, um, that's the best way to get in touch. Awesome. Well, Marshall, I've had a, a wonderful time, um, interviewing here, uh, interviewing here today and really learning from you. Thanks for taking us behind the scenes into your brain a little bit and letting me pick it, um, learn new things today. So thank you so much for being a guest on our show. Yeah, it was great. Enjoyed it, Andrew. Wonderful. And thank you all for listening to the Louder Co. Dallas-based innovators podcast. I'm Andrew Louder signing out. That's our show for today. We hope you took away something valuable. Be sure to visit LouderCo at louderco.com for more. Thank you again and stay tuned for more from Dallas-based innovators.